Well, praise the Lord. I said, praise the Lord. You excited to be in the house of God this morning. Amen. Who wasn't here yet? This is our first service. Amen. First service here with us. We're going to have an altar call right now. Amen. <laughs> I'm just playing. It's an honor to be in the presence of God. It's Sunday morning. I always love Sunday morning service because we have the whole family here. I understand people have things to do, but, you know, Sunday morning you can be expected to have your biggest crowd. Praise God. We have all the saints assembling on Sunday morning, so it's an honor to be in the presence of God. I honor Pastor Steve and Miss Connie for bringing me here all the way from Detroit. That's how we say it in Michigan. Detroit, Michigan. Amen. Detroit. Like we say, guitar. Amen. You know, if you're country, the guitar. <laughs> And so I'm glad to be here on them. How many know you have the best pastors all in PA right here? Amen. Give God some praise for your pastors. You know, if you haven't done anything for your pastor lately, you don't need to pray about doing something. You ought to just do something. Amen. Wash his car, take his dog for a walk, make him some cornbread. I don't know. Do something. Amen. Honor your pastor. Let him know you love him. And whatever you did last time, do it better this time. Praise God. You know, you'll find out that the more you start honoring your pastor, start doing for your pastor, you'll begin to notice how there's increase in value that's added to your life. Amen. Sometimes all people do is complain about their pastors. You try pastoring for about five minutes. Amen. You'll find out that there is a whole lot more to it than just giving sermons. Amen. Well, you know, I didn't like what pastor was preaching. That's because he had to deal with you the whole week. Amen. <laughs> I'm not talking about you. I'm talking about the person next to you. Amen. Praise God. That means everybody here. <laughs> But I just want to back what Pastor said. That's true. Prophecy is not to guide your life. And amen. We're all susceptible to missing things. And we're all susceptible to hitting things dead on. I've had prophecies in my life where I'm like, thank you very much. That had nothing to do with it. And then down the road, I'm like, wow, that person prophesied that to me last March. And it came to pass. And then again, there's some things that I'm waiting to come to pass. And I probably will still be waiting when Jesus comes back. Amen. So you just be led by the Spirit. You be led by the still, small voice. And we like to create an atmosphere where it's okay to miss it and it's okay to hit it. Amen. Amen. Is that okay? Amen. Are you excited about what God is doing in our midst? How many of you were here last night? Amen. Wow, we have most people come back. That means you enjoyed it. Amen. Amen. I want to do a few testimonies this morning before we get going, just to sense what God has done. Who wants to testify of how you felt this morning? Come on up, Brother Keith. Come on up. Our ex-police officer in the house. How many feel safe when Brother Keith's here? Amen. <laughs> Come up, Brother Keith. Why don't you testify? Tell the people. Take about two minutes. Oh, I don't know if I can do anything in two minutes. I, I don't know if I can. Okay. Oh, I'm going to do it as quick as I can. All right. Now, you know when someone comes and they minister and, and something they say kind of quickens your spirit? You know, one of the things that Brother Chris said about being expectant that we should be expecting of, of the move of God, of what he's going to do in our lives. And it was kind of funny because when he said it, kind of just right here, it's like God, God had been talking to me about that. So as service went on and we started to have the moving of the Holy Spirit and, and Brother Chris was laying hands on people. Now, as a kid, as a young man, I used to play baseball. And my position in baseball was that of a Catcher, I was down. Come on. Come on. All right. So when you get in church, right, and, and you're in church world, and the move of the Spirit's going on, what do you become? A catcher. Okay. So, all right, I'm a catcher. All right, I'm a catcher. So I'm a catcher. But one thing that goes on whenever you do sports, the one thing you always have to do, Pastor, what do you always have to do before sports? Warm up. You got to stretch. You got to stretch. I didn't stretch. All right. <laughs> 
So I'm catching. And now as a catcher, the worst thing in the world for a catcher to handle is somebody who throws what? A knuckleball. Because you never know where a knuckleball is going to be, right? All right. The analogy of a, a knuckleball, a spiritual knuckleball, all right, if you see my brother over here, Miss Sharon, spiritual knuckleball. All right, spirits hit some, bam, down, okay? That's what happens, all right? But somehow in the middle of all this, I got to catch somebody. I pull a hamstring, all right? I mean, and, you know, I used to run track, so I know what it feels like to pull a hamstring. So the minute it happens, like, that's a hammy. (laughs) So, all right, I kept on catching. I'm not going to say who did it and how it happened. All right, but now I knew I was hurting, you know, all of that. So, all right, all right, but the spirit is still moving, so I'm still catching. So afterwards, I sat back, and I was talking to Bruce, and I went to get up. And, you know, when you don't move, all of a sudden it sets in. And it's like, ooh, that's not good. So to the point where I am hurting. I mean, I'm in big, big pain. So I say to Vanessa, you know, one way I say, you know, I really hurt myself and all of this. And I'm driving a stick. So to go home, you got to – and it's my left foot. All right, so I'm hitting the clutch and everything. Every time I hit the clutch, I'm like, oh, oh. All right, and Vanessa said, well, why didn't you say to Brother Chris and, you know, let him lay hands on you and get healed? I said, well, you know, I expected when he laid hands on me, when he was praying for me, that that was going to take care of it. All right? And I just left it at that. So I go home, and I'm still in pain and everything else. And you know how when you're really hurt and you have a problem and you got to go to bed? All right, and you're down there and you're trying to figure out how I can lay because it it hurts, okay? So I'm trying to figure out how I can lay down and and get comfortable. I couldn't figure it out, right? Could not figure this out. So bless God, I just laid there. I went to sleep and everything else. And you know what Brother Chris said yesterday? He said that in the morning, okay, you're going to wake up and you're going to have testimonies. And guess what? In the morning... All right? So that's the testimony. In the morning. Let's see, that's what I'm saying? All right, there it is. Praise the Lord. Give God some praise for that. Amen? See, if you don't come ready, we're going to hurt you, then get you healed. Amen? So you better come ready. Otherwise, does anybody else, how many woke up this morning and just felt the Spirit? You just woke up this morning and just felt the Holy Ghost moving in your belly? I want one more testimony before we move on with the service. One more testimony about God's faithful. It doesn't have to be some type of healing or some mega thing. It doesn't mean, it doesn't have to be you. Come on up. What's your name? Chelsea. Come on up, Chelsea. I just preached in a city called Chelsea, Michigan not too long ago, so it's just Chelsea. So as you all know, I just graduated college. And so the big question when you graduate college is what's next? And whenever anybody asked, I would say, oh, it's up in the air. I could go to grad school in California. I could go to Guatemala and teach English. I could, you know, I had my A, B, and C options because I'm a type A. I plan everything out. Everything goes in my planner. Sometimes when I do something, I write it in there just so I can cross it off. But, you know, Brother Palmer was saying last night, let go. And I think that was, that was for me because I've been trying to plan every second of my life but, it, you know, God was telling me, that doesn't matter. You can plan all you want, but you're going where I'm going to tell you to go. And you have been going this whole time. You know, every, every step, 
every major decision in my life, it's been by the grace of God, and it's been his plan. And so God's been giving me images of masses of people coming to him. And I don't know if I'm supposed to pray for them or if I'm supposed to go minister. I don't know what I'm supposed to do yet. But whatever it is, it's going to be about obedience on my part and trusting him. But I'm so excited. I'm so ready for it. I don't, and I just keep seeing images. And it's been going on for months, like flashes of just people, huge masses, not just one or two, but a, a ton. And I can't wait. I'm really excited. Amen. Amen. One more testimony. One more before we go on. One more. Come on, don't be bashful. This is Sunday morning service. You can't testify in front of your brothers and sisters. Some of y'all want to be on these television shows and be the next rock star. But you can't testify in front of your brother and sister. Ray, come on up. Ray, you got your hand Who's got their hand up? Oh, well, come on up over in the corner. Um, I shared with everybody last night that <clears throat> I finally got the breakthrough on holding on some, to some stuff that I should have let go. And the song that we sing, you know, God is here. Come lay down your heavy burdens. And we sing that song, and all of a sudden, I mean, time and time and time again, and the light just said, let go. Like Chelsea said, I just heard it, let go. And, you know, you get all super spiritual, but, Lord, I, I'm not carrying it. You're taking care of it. Lord, I trust you. I trust you. I trust you. And not really trusting. You know, let it go, and then, okay, wait, Lord, I, uh, we're going to do this, and, and we'll take care of this, and we'll handle this. But last night, I finally let go, and I could just hear God say, let go. Just let go. And I am so confident. I am so I mean, I wake up in the middle of the night giving God my plans. Okay, God, you have to take care of this one. This one's going to this school, and this one's doing that, and this one's taking care of it. And you need to fix this, and you need to fix that. And he said, let go. Then this morning in the bathroom, I'm standing there, and I said, Lord, you know, you, you get a word, you get um, revelation, and the devil comes to steal it. And I said, Lord... But wait, wait, things are just out of control, and, and, and there I'm living beyond my means. And he said, stop, you're not living beyond mine. Oh, and I said, thank you, Lord. Thank you. And I said, Lord, i got to get out of the bathroom. i got to get out of the bathroom. <laughs> but anyway, God is so faithful. I can't tell you how much lighter. I may not look lighter, but how much lighter I feel when I just let go and just let God take care. You got some praise. Amen. Give God some praise. You know, that's the thing about God. We are we are so busy as people. The one thing, the biggest problem, not problem, I'm going to say problem. The one thing I noticed, and I can put myself in this too with everybody, is this. I have noticed that churches I go to, places I mingle with, believers that I associate with, myself included at points, I'm breaking away from it. The one thing that we become as believers that really messes and tangles us up and impedes our walk as we become so mental all the time about everything. We become so heady. And the thing about the Christian faith is this. The Christian faith, the Word of God, was not... There are some things in it. There is didactic knowledge from the Word of God. In other words, there is theology. We talked a little bit about that yesterday. You can get to teaching. But the thing about it is, we can never hit God with our mind. And therefore, if we cannot hit God with our mind and God is our answer, guess what? Most of the answers that you are looking for are not going to be received into your mind or your mental knowledge. 
the successful Christian, the successful believer is not the believer that goes around trying to dig for answers. Where should I go, God? What should I do? Should I do this or should I do that? We have a tendency, a proclivity to when we have options that are given our way, we take option A and we take option B and we begin to put them in the balance of common sense and begin to weigh them. It doesn't make more sense to do this. And then we try and look a little bit down the road, four or five years down the road. If I take this way, this way, and this way, did you know that you're never going to find success? doing that you might get it doing that way but you did it randomly but if you are led by the spirit of god if you are led by the holy ghost if you have learned in your life how to follow the leadership of the spirit i tell believers all the time there are two marks of maturity as a christian and one of them is not spiritual gifts you can be a baby and operate in spiritual gifts. You can be a Satanist and operate in the spirit and not spiritual gifts. But you can still do things. There are people now, that if you go over into Japan and all these other countries, they know the power of the chi. They know the power of this and they know all sorts of healing methods and crystals. And that stuff works. It really does work, actually. There are scientific facts. Well, how could that be, Brother Palmer? Because all power is not God. There is power out there, but it's not mandated by God. There is spiritual power that can affect the natural realm, and sometimes the enemy will use it to deceive people, to get people to follow him and away from Jesus. Amen. And so what we have to understand is to be successful as a believer, there are two marks of maturity. Number one is, this isn't my sermon, this is just you know a little nugget for you again this morning. Amen. Number one is your love walk. Do you walk in love? Because there are two things Satan can't imitate. Number one, Satan cannot imitate love. He can't counterfeit. He can't copycat love. How can you know you're with a believer that's walking in maturity? He's got his love walk tight. Amen. He's walking in the love of God. Number two, you find out that the believer knows the leadership of the Holy Ghost inside of their life. He has the absolute leadership. He knows how to follow the flow of the Spirit. Successful believers, because the devil cannot imitate. The devil cannot lead you by the Spirit. Amen. Are you ready for what God has for us this morning? Are you ready to step into what the Lord wants to do? How many open to the Spirit today? Say this. Today, I determine. I make a decision. That today, I'm going to take. A step out of the carnal and another step into the spiritual. Say this, today I make a decision that I will be filled and be filled again till I'm filled to overflowing with the Spirit of God. One more time, say this, I believe, no, I know that after these services I will be walking in a greater dimension of the supernatural. I say this all the time. Some people think that the supernatural is a big event. The supernatural is not always a big event. It's not always fireworks in the grand finale. The supernatural is based on your ability to understand the realm of the spirit. The supernatural is based on your revelation. One thing about the supernatural is this, that if you want to begin to be supernatural, it doesn't mean that you have all these great spiritual gifts in your life, although you could, but really being supernatural means this, you are following the Holy Ghost. And me and Sister Connie were talking last night, is that the Spirit of God, the Holy Ghost, is your liaison in the realm of the Spirit. And so what I want to talk to you this morning about is simply this, how to maintain a consistent flow of the supernatural inside of your life. You could say it like like this, I'm going to approach it from the angle of how you can maintain the spirit of faith in your life. 
Does that sound okay to you this morning? Because here's the thing. A lot of times we have a good service and the Holy Ghost starts moving and starts falling. And I know, for instance, last night after a service like that where the Holy Ghost is really moving, it's hard for me to wind down. You know, I'm staying up trying to look at the paint peel off the wall. Praise God. You know what I'm saying? Trying to find out what's on Xbox. If there's an Xbox in my room so I can play some video games. Amen. I'm just wound up tweeting and texting and all sorts of stuff. Then finally you get to bed and you wake up in the morning. And, you know, there's always a residue of the Spirit. After you've had the Holy Ghost in your life, there's a residue of the Spirit. Amen. And you wake up and you have some, I just heard someone say, is he going to open up the Bible today? Yes, I'm about to get to it. All right. And so all of a sudden, uh, you know, you, <laughs> you wake up in the morning. I'm giving you a lot of Bible. You wake up in the morning and there's a residue off of that. But here's the thing. It's just a residue now. And what you have to do is you have to get wet and you have to get dunked again in that spirit. Because guess what? That residue was like we had a rain shower last night. And we woke up this morning the grass was still wet. But the cares of the day are going to come along. And not only are the cares of the day going to come along and you're going to continue life, it's that hot sun that's going to try and beat down on that grass. And if you don't consistently allow yourself to get fresh feelings of the Holy Ghost, what you think and your perception of of what God did for you last night and how the Spirit of God touched you, you're going to begin to boil it down to, oh, that was just an emotional experience. Oh, that was just, I don't know what that was. I can't explain what that was. That was that was nothing. And so what God wants you to understand is the Word of God says, go to Ephesians chapter 5. The Word of God says there, be ye filled. Be, be, let me just go there with you tonight. Are you ready? Ephesians chapter 5. Ephesians chapter 5. It says in Ephesians 5. I'm going to talk to you this morning about how to maintain the spirit of faith. How to maintain the spirit of faith in your life. Someone say the spirit of faith. Someone say I will. I vow to maintain the spirit of faith. In my life. Ephesians 5, 18 and 19. If you're there, say amen. If you're not there, say, Lord, help me. It says in Ephesians 5, 18 and 19. And be not drunk with wine, wherein is excess, but be filled with the Holy Ghost, or the Spirit. Speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart into the Lord. We know from studying, I'm sure the pastor is shared this with you, that what it says, be ye filled with the Spirit, the Greek implies, be being filled with the Spirit. In other words, in your life as a believer, in order to walk as a successful believer, in order to do this, you need continual, fresh feelings of the Spirit of God in your life. You know how many Christians, if you ver or if you got run around and started interviewing Christians today, you know how many Christians would probably tell you, if they were really honest, well, I don't really spend time trying to get filled with the Holy Ghost. I don't spend time trying to be filled with the Spirit. And so when I tell people you need to be being filled with the Spirit, they think that means sometimes, well, you just wake up in the morning and say, fill me, Holy Ghost, fill me, Holy Ghost. But sometimes that's not what it requires. And so what I want to really point to you today is ways that you can on 
purpose, allow yourself to be filled with the Holy Ghost. Things that you can do that will consistently recharge your battery because this is how God wants you all the time. He wants you to wake up in the morning with an expectation inside of your spirit. Dr. Hutton, last week I was preaching a conference with him. He said that the Lord spoke to him and says, there is no wrong side of the bed when you have the Holy Ghost inside of your life. There is no, I got up on the wrong side of the bed. There is no, oh God, this is going to be a bad day. It says in the word of God that joy comes in the morning. Amen. So if joy comes in the morning, it's there on Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday, Friday, March, April, May, June, whatever, spring, autumn, or fall, there is no wrong side of the bed. Praise God. And so when you get up out of bed or when you go to bed at night, I'm not saying that things aren't going to come along your way. See, you can't a lot of times stop the issues that are going to come. You cannot stop the problems that are going to come. Your life as a Christian is not about trying to evade issues. There are going to be decisions that you have to make in your life. There are going to be people that come along and try and stop you with their negative attitudes, with their unforgiving, bitter roots, with their lying, gossiping self. How many have ever had someone that looks at you and smiles and tells you how wonderful you are, then the next day you find out that the other sister in the church tells you that they were talking about you. And it comes as a shock. What? They're talking about me. They said you were a bad singer. How about that? What? They said that, well, you know, that you're no good and that you're nothing. And, and, and it hurts and, it's in, and it can get to you and start wounding you, right? You've been there before? Oh, I've been there before. When I find out people are spreading rumors, people that will look at you and, how are you doing, right? You doing good, Matt? Doing good? Yeah, I'm doing good. And all of a sudden, they turn around and a rumor starts circulating. You know, when a rumor gets around about you and it's not even true, the first thing you want to do is find out where did it come from. Who's the source of this rumor? Because once I find out the source of this rumor, I'm going to go cut that source down to bits, right? Well, find that source and root it up in Jesus' name and start breaking its face. And, and then you find the source, and then you have a decision how to deal with it. That's how it is. That's how people are. That can be how carnal Christians walk. But when you have the Holy Ghost inside of your life, you'll find out that there is no problem that can stop you. But here's the issue. A lot of times Christians try to take things into their own hands because they're walking in their mental knowledge. They're walking in sense knowledge. And so what we have to understand is this. In order to be a successful Christian, Christian. In order to be a successful believer, our answer is not what our mind can conjure up. Our answer is not our intelligence. Our answer is how genuine of a walk do we have with the Spirit of God. Someone came up to me the other day. They said, how did you start your ministry? I says, by faith. Well, yeah, 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 I know, but what did you do to start your ministry? I said, I just believe God. Well, what do you mean? I just started it. How do you do? How do you start a ministry? I said, listen, starting a ministry is not like getting a career where you, you know, work your way up the chain. You don't get an internship when you come out of college and then start, you know, working and making 40,000 to 60,000 to 80,000 to 100,000. I said, ministry is not like that. I said, if you want to do ministry, you have to really believe God. And I know there's a lot of other jobs that you have to do to believe God, but ministry especially because ministry is like the family business. You know, churches are like, independent churches like the family business. You can only go so high. God calls you to start your own ministry. You are really going to have to get out there and believe God. And I was trying to tell this young guy, listen, you are really going to have to believe God to start a ministry. And people sometimes don't get it, is that if you're going to do anything for God or anything inside of the kingdom of God, you have got to be somebody that understands the realm of the spirit spirit and how to walk in faith and the only way that you can successfully do that is if you have a true genuine bona fide walk with the spirit and so i want to introduce you into that today does that sound okay 
Is that a good introduction for you this morning? So the word of God says, be filled with the spirit, speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. Number one, write this down if you're taking notes. In order to maintain a continual, fresh flow of the spirit of God in your life, the number one thing that you have to begin to do is, number one, write this down, is that you have to learn to respond to the Holy Ghost. You have to respond to the spirit in your life. Responding to the spirit, there are two don'ts. Write this down. There are two don'ts. Number one. And me and Sister Connie were talking about this last night. Number one, you don't grieve the spirit. And number one, and number two, you don't quench the spirit. In responding to the Holy Ghost inside of your life, number one, you don't grieve the spirit. And number two, you don't quench the spirit. Throw up Ephesians chapter 431 if you have it. Ephesians 431. Do you have it on the screen? Four thirty, excuse me. It says in Ephesians chapter four, verse thirty. It says, And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Now go to first Thessalonians chapter five. People are thumbing through their Bibles. What's that? First Thessalonians chapter five? First Thessalonians chapter 5 and verse 19. It says here, quench not the spirit. Notice what Paul is saying when he wrote to Ephesus. He says, do not grieve the spirit. And then in writing to the Thessalonians, he says, do not quench the spirit. Grieve not the spirit and quench not the spirit. Someone says, grieve not the spirit. Now look at the other neighbor and say, neighbor, don't quench the spirit. Here's the difference. Is there a difference between grieving the Spirit and quenching the Spirit? Absolutely. You ready for this? Here's the main difference. When you grieve the Spirit, grieving the Spirit is doing things to offend Him. Things of commission. The Spirit of God sees you do something that He has told you don't do. Don't go there. Don't associate with that person. Don't read that book. What do you mean read that book? There's a book out there right now. I'm just going to put it on blast. It's called Fifty Shades of Grey. If you're reading Fifty Shades of Grey, we need to get you saved 50 ways. Amen? Fifty Shades of Grey. Um, you know, when a book's popular and it comes out, I just make sure to smash it because it's, chances are someone's reading it inside the church. And they'll give you the excuse, oh, it's just a book. Let me tell you this. Those kind of books are not just books. books They're not just books, all right? They're not just books, all right? Open up your books of the Bible. (laughs) They're not just books. They are education material that is indoctrinating masses of women all across the United States. You know, some people think that demon-possessed people are ones that you find in the corners of a jungle somewhere in a foreign country that are frothing at the mouth and falling all over the ground. Those are low-level devils and demons. The real devils and the real demons that are out there right now are devils and demons, principalities and powers that the enemy has put on talk shows, that the enemy is putting on popular television networks. The real 
devils and demons are the ones that are controlling little cute organizations like Disney, who are CEOs of companies like the Home Depot, who are CEOs of companies, these major organizations worldwide, people that have powers, real devils and demons that are at high levels, the ones that have any influence inside the kingdom of Satan are not wearing gunny sacks and sackcloth. They're wearing suits and have white collars, and they're making decisions that are swaying the balance and influencing mass amounts of people in the United States. You can find them in organizations like the NBA, the NHL, the NFL. They're commi- I'm not, they're, they're, they're people and businessmen. They're presidents and CEOs, talk show hosts. These are the ones that are full of the devil, and every now and then authors will come along, and the enemy will put his favor upon their books and his favor upon their influence. Why? Because he has an agenda to promote perversion and things that will begin to wear away the moral fiber of a whole nation. Why? To get people away from Jesus because it's all being perpetuated by one person and his name is Antichrist. Are you listening to me? And listen to this. You know what the enemy's newest thing that he wants to do is? The enemy's new thing that he wants to do is he's not satisfied being a CEO. The devil is not satisfied being a legislator or a politician in, in Washington. You know what the devil wants to do in these last days, and Jude warns about it? He's not satisfied with being a politician or a businessman or an athlete or a talk show host. The devil now wants to creep his way into the church and become a pastor. Where people away from Jesus. I don't want to talk about Jesus. Let's not sing songs about the blood. Don't sing about the Holy Ghost right here. That's going to wear people away. That's just Don't sing songs about the presence of God. Don't sing songs about the glory. I don't know how I got into this right now. Is it okay if I take rabbit trails? I don't know what I, I've never seen a rabbit tail. I don't, I'm not, I don't know I'm not a rabbit guy. I don't know about rabbit trails. You know, they call it, I just trust that rabbits take trails. But grieving the Spirit is doing those things the Holy Ghost tells you. Don't read that book. And people read the book. And something happens in their life. You know, sometimes when you do things that the Holy Ghost tells you not to do, you don't see the evidence of why you shouldn't do it until years later down the road. You're sowing seeds inside of your life. Someone told me, well, Fifty Shades of Grey is just a book. I said, it's a seed that you're planting inside of your mind that's going to produce perversion and fruits of perversion. Everything that you put inside of your mind is producing thoughts. Are you listening to me? This is why the church is weak. This is why there's no power inside of the churches. Because people are giving their time to these things. I'm not trying to be religious, but God wants you to be a person of faith. Are you listening to me? These things are going to ruin your unbelief. How about I say this? We haven't been even able to get past these elementary things of what is it's good or moral or bad and immoral to get to things like God doesn't just want you fooling around with that kind of stuff. What God wants you to do is he doesn't even want you to go around commentaries written by unbelieving doctrines who are going to now file away your ability to be sharp and keen in the realm of the Spirit. When you start obeying the Spirit of God and doing what the Spirit of God tells you to do, the Holy Ghost won't even let you go around religion and unbelief. He'll have you stay away from certain things. I remember one time I went through this thing where I was just going to start reading a whole bunch of stuff. I need to have perspective, I would say. I need to have perspective. And, uh, you know, i I got to find out what the Catholics are believing. i got to find out what the, the Baptists are believing. I need to find out what the Muslims believe and the Buddhists believe. And so, you know, I need to find out what philosophers believed. You know what started happening in my faith walk? <laughs> And then you know 
Lord, I found out the best way to correct false doctrine is not try and combat it. The best way to correct false doctrine is just preach the uncorrupted truth. And the uncorrupted truth starts testifying itself. Okay, next, quenching the spirit. Grieving the spirit is things of commission. Quenching the spirit is the opposite pole, and that is doing things of omission, not responding to the spirit. When you grieve the spirit, you offend him. You do something you shouldn't do. Quenching the spirit is not doing something that you should. Did you get that okay? When you quench the spirit, you know what quenching the spirit will be like? You're sitting inside of service, and the worship people get on the keys. The Spirit of God starts moving. Something happens. And all of a sudden you have a check in your spirit. I need to start worshiping God. I want to worship the King. Or you're sitting at home. And all of a sudden you're watching television. You're watching CSI, Crime Scene Investigators. Amen. This is a brand new Crime Scene Investigator. That's on. Praise God. And all of a sudden you feel a tug. It's like this. And it's the Holy Ghost tugging you. Go pray. Go pray. Go pray. Go pray. You want to know something interesting? I'm not sure what all this means. I'm just going to throw it out here. You can decide. I'm not trying to say I knew anything ahead of time. But I came here Friday. Thursday night, I was really grieved in my spirit. I was very heavy on Thursday night. Something was wrong. I felt like it wasn't for me personally. I felt I needed to get in and pray. I just felt just an itch in my spirit. You ever had that before? Are you here tonight? Tonight? This morning? Today? Are you here? How about that? I felt... I felt there was, I just, I just, something wasn't right. I just, something was out of place. Something was out of place. I felt I should be praying. I felt I should be praying. Do you know I woke up Friday morning and saw that whole thing that happened in the shooting in the theater? And I wondered, this is why the Holy Ghost had me pray. He was, I bet you, if you started asking, if you had the ability to ask Christians all around the nation who was led to pray on Thursday night, I bet you'd find more than just me. I bet you that you would find that if you took a graph from how many people the Holy Ghost is allowing to pray, that on Thursday night you would see it spike like this. Because here's the thing, when the enemy is about to unleash one of his plans against the United States, did you know the very first thing that the Holy Ghost will try to do is he will try to enlist prayer warriors that know how to pray to go on the behalf of the people that are in danger and the spirit of god will start trying to recruit intercessors to start praying because it's very possible that they can turn the attack if god can intervene in the situation and he needs to find people that have dominion upon the earth the number one asset that you have in your life that god is after is the fact that you are a dominionite you have dominion upon the earth and that's why god petitions people and what the lord will do is he will first look for people write this down he will first look for people that understand that they have dominion i have dominion i have authority okay by saying that the holy ghost is going to make you first priority as someone that he's going to come and try and petition you to prayer because he knows that you understand that you have dominion and chances are if he can find you to get into place of prayer you're going to be the first one that exercises that dominion and when we don't do it and we don't respond to the spirit of god and we allow the spirit of god not to have his way we are quenching the spirit that has an effect upon what we do. That has an effect upon our walk with God. So, if you're going to be someone that walks in faith, you have to, number one, understand you can't grieve the Spirit. You have to, number two, understand that you can't quench the Spirit. How do you do this? You have to be sensitive to the Spirit. That brings me to my next point. In order to stay sensitive to the Spirit of God, my next point is this. In order to stay full of faith and full of the Spirit, 
you need to spend time regularly praying in the Holy Ghost. Praying in the Spirit. There's a church here this morning. Don't make me get on that keyboard. <laughs> We're just teaching this morning. Praying the Holy Ghost. If you have your Bible. I want to talk to you about praying in the Spirit real quick. Praying in the Holy Ghost. Go with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 4. I field a lot of questions on why we should pray in the Spirit. Why we should pray in the Holy Ghost. We're talking this morning about staying full of faith. 1 Corinthians 14. And verse 2. One of the greatest questions that I get asked by people, because I preach a lot on praying in tongues. Well, I just haven't been ministering it this week while I've been here. Because I've been felt to do other things. The people, or the question that people ask me all the time is simply this. Why is it that I should pray in the Holy Ghost? What they're really asking me is simply this. Brother Palmer, what does... Praying out words and syllables and phrases that I have no clue or understanding what those things mean. What does that have to do with anything that has to do with my life? Because here's the problem. A person will come up to me and say, Brother Palmer, I have cancer. Brother Palmer, I'm sick and I'm dying. And unless I get a miracle from God, there's no hope. Unless God intervenes and God touches me, there's no way. Then I'm going to make it through this situation. I have mental stress and, you know, all the problems that people go through. And I could tell them, well, what I suggest that you do is you pray in the Holy Ghost. And for a person that doesn't understand what the Spirit of God is able to do inside of their life, that person is going to walk away feeling that I gave them an incomplete answer. But I suggest, and not just suggest, it is imperative that believers pray in the Spirit of God. Number one, when you start praying in the Spirit of God, the number one thing that is going to start happening to you, and I'm going to show you how in just a second, is when you start praying in the Holy Ghost, first of all, understand that this is a language that does not come from your natural. You didn't receive it. It came from the Holy Ghost. You didn't conjure it up yourself. That's why the enemy, when you get baptized in the Holy Ghost, the very first thing that the enemy will come to do is to try and tell you that's not God. That's not the Spirit. That's not the Holy Ghost. That's just you trying to pray that way. That's just you making that stuff up. And I tell people all the time, well, the devil tried to tell me that when I was 13 years old, when I got baptized in the Spirit, and I got news. I've been praying in that language for years on end, and it's been providing for me edification, exhortation, and comfort that has lasted me 14 years and has kept me from veering to the right or the left. It's produced healing inside of my body. It's produced a mind that's renewed, and it has supplied masses amounts of revelation knowledge in my life that has lifted me up the damnable things of the flesh but here's the thing that people always ask me why you ever wonder that nobody's nodding their head i guess you've all got it right on the first try you read first corinthians 14 one time around and that was it for you right you just got it right then and there <laughs> how many of you ever wondered that am i no one's ever wondered that Who's wondering that? Raise your hand. Oh, y'all need to be up here teaching me then, praise God. I remember this. I remember I was a staff minister at this church that I was ministering for. 
And we would always, we would do believers classes. And we would always teach on the baptism of the Holy Ghost. And we said, number one reason why you should pray in the Holy Ghost is because it edifies you. Who's heard that? Come on, raise some hands. Who's heard that this morning? It edifies you. And I remembered, I'd always say, why does it edify you? And you know what the answer I'd get back is? When I'd ask those who seem to be somewhat among them, why does it edify you? <laughs> they would say, well, it charges you up like a battery. Who's ever heard that answer? Charges you up like a battery. I was in a particular country watching television. The Christian channel was on another country. And the preacher was up there, and he had a 25-minute television spot. Pray in the Holy Ghost. Pray in the Spirit. Pray in the Holy Ghost. It charges you up. It edifies you. When you pray in the Holy Ghost, it's like taking a battery all the way to the shop. And you put the alternating current on it, the right, the plus, and the negative, And you run the juice to it, and it charges you up like a battery. I need you to pray in the Holy Ghost because it's going to charge you up like a battery. It's going to charge you up like a battery. Pray in the Holy Ghost. It edifies you. It charges you up like a battery. 25 minutes of this. This was this past night. And I thought, wow, that's a lot of money to keep saying the same thing over and over and over again. And to my thing was, he's not telling these people why. See, I would say, why does it charge you up like a battery? And they would say, well, because it builds you up on your most holy faith. Well, why does it do that? Because it charges you up like a battery. Why does it do that? Because it edifies you. Why does it edify you? Well, you're building up yourself on your most holy faith. Why? Because you're praying in the Holy Ghost. Why? Because you charge yourself up. Why? Because it edifies you. Why? Because when you pray in the Holy Ghost, it's like taking a battery to the shop and putting an alternating current on it, and it charges you up. Why? Because you edify yourself. Why? Because you charge yourself up like a battery. Why? What would happen if you went to the Mac store and you said, you know what? I need to talk to a Mac specialist. I have this Mac notebook. And I was wondering, Mr. I professional, what do they call themselves? They call themselves I experts or something like that. Why is it that when I take my iPad and I plug it in, why is it that it charges? Well, because you plug it into the wall. Why is it that when I plug it into the wall, something happens? Well, you're charging it. Why is it charged? Because you're plugging it into the wall. Okay, how come when I plug it into the wall, it charges it? Because, you know, you're charging it. You get my point. I want to walk in to the Mac store and get a real expert and say to them, how is it that when I have this MacBook and I plug it into the wall, it charges? And they say, oh, let me see that, Mr. Palmer. Somehow they'll know my name is Mr. Palmer, right? And they'll say, well, you see here? This is an outlet, and on the inside of it, there are little metal strips, and these metal strips are made of copper. And let me see that plug that you have here. You see this plug that you put in? Well, this plug is made of copper as well, and connected to this copper, you have three or four wires that are made of copper as well that are encased by this plastic thing, and that copper is run into a two-prong hook. And when you take that two-prong hook and you plug it into a wall, it taps into an AC-DC current, an alternating and a direct current, and there is now power being supplied to your house by a grid that, I say grid again, a grid outside, praise God, a power supply, and that power supply is is connected to another grid on another side of the county and that thing that is produced is coming from that power plant all the way down the street that is in Fermi, Michigan and nuclear power source and when they begin to run those nuclear activators it supplies it to the grid and that supplies it to the house and that supplies it to your ACDC current and that power supplies it to your MacBook and if you give it about a half hour that power is going to be reduced from that major large source all the way in 
into your iPad and is going to give you as much charge as you possibly need. And now you have an iPad that is edified. This is an edified iPad. Actually, it's at 12%, so it needs some edification. Ray, edify this for me, praise God, amen. What you doing? I'm just edifying my iPad, charging it up like a battery. We have not become spiritual conscious because we have not realized why praying in the Holy Ghost edifies us. Can I give you why it does that today? I went on a quest. I wanted to find out why it does this because I realized in my life that a major source of edification for me was praying in the Spirit. How many have ever prayed in the Spirit for, you know, something longer than five minutes? How many of you felt edified afterwards? Some of you all put your hand down. <laughs> you ever just spent some time? But you have no idea why. But all of a sudden you walked out of the prayer closet you felt edified. This is what started happening to me. I'd pray in the Holy Ghost. And I would pray. I started listening to some tapes and some people, some particular teachers got me very excited about praying in the Holy Ghost. And so I started doing what they said to do. And I started praying in the Holy Ghost for hours on end, two, three, four, five, sometimes eight hours in the Spirit. I won't get into all that. I started praying in the Spirit, praying in the Spirit. As I was praying in the Spirit, I started realizing that the edification that I received wasn't always right after I got done praying. I started realizing that if I prayed long hours in the Spirit, a lot of times it grew frustrating. I'm not going to get into all this today. It grew frustrating, and I would realize that if I spent any more than about three hours praying in tongues, the only thing that I would come out of the prayer closet with was a dry tongue and a sore jaw. <laughs> and questions as to why am I even doing this? Because there are a lot of Christians that don't pray in tongues. Like I said before, I can always tell who's praying in the Spirit. Because when you pray in the Spirit, there's a life behind your eyes. You walk and you have extra pep in your step like this. And you may not know all the details, but you know that God is working it out. Praise God. Give me an organ. He's turning it around for you. Amen. He's making things new. He's a burden bearer and a heavy load sharer. Hallelujah. God's doing it. And you know you have faith, you have expectation. People that pray in the Spirit, they walk in faith. They're always restoring that supply. And so I asked God one time, because nobody was being able to answer this question for me, not even some of the teachers. I would say, God, why is it that when I pray in the Spirit, I start finding out that it's maybe about two or three days after, sometimes four, sometimes, I don't know, but it's, at, it's a significant period of time after that I start finding the edification that I want to receive finally arrives. You want to know the reason why? Some of y'all don't want to know. Okay. We'll see you here tonight. If you got guts. 1 Corinthians 14, 2. Let me show you why. Follow after charity and desire spiritual gifts, but that rather you may prophesy. Now look what it says here in 1 Corinthians, the 14th chapter and the second verse. He that speaketh in an unknown tongue does not speak unto men, but unto God. Now watch this. You can go to some particular, uh, you know, prayer things, and the spiritual mama comes walking in. You know what I mean? Or the extra spiritual prayer warrior comes walking in. And they say, oh, there's a prayer meeting. Yes. They says, really, what time does it start? It starts now. And all of a sudden, they take off yelling at the devil. I was at a church one time, and they had swords. 
doing? Rasapa shaka rasaka shaka. I'm warring with the devil. Rasaka shaka esaka resaka. I'm glad they didn't have AK-47s because we don't have to take cover under the seats. Shapa senderekisha sokota sabrefenashi yakata. And I says, really? Yeah. I said, what what kind of sword does he have? You know what I mean? What kind of gun does the devil carry? Rasamashike, rasaka. And then they put the sword down and be like, what time is this prayer meeting in? Ten minutes. All right. To me, it's always like, when you stop waving that sword around, does the devil stop waving his around? Okay, we're going to call it a draw. I'll see you next Friday. I'll see you next Friday. Just dumb. Well, it's a prophetic gesture, praise God. You're not prophesying nothing other than that you're goofy. People being stupid. And I said, you know what the Bible says about praying in tongues? What? You don't pray unto men. You pray unto God. How about that? You are praying unto God. So that means this. The devil does not understand what you're saying. The devil cannot figure out what you're trying to say. You are talking to the Lord. Now, look at this. What do you mean I'm talking to God? For no one understands him. How be it in the spirit he speaks mysteries. Now, watch this. Look what it says right there. It says, when you pray in the Holy Ghost, you are now in the spirit. That's what we need to do as believers. Believers need to be in the spirit at all times. Because watch this. I'm going to talk about this a little bit tonight. But listen to this. This is really important. I'm going to take a. I'm on a rabbit trail now, but I'm going to take a rabbit's rabbit's trail. Amen. <laughs> Here's the problem. Believers don't realize this. You're a spirit. You have a soul and you live in a body. Now we know that as faith people. But a lot of Christians don't know that. I meet lots of them that have no idea that they're a spirit. And as a spirit, you have continual contact with the spiritual realm all the time. Whether you're a Christian or you're not a Christian, you're always being influenced by the spirit realm. Well, I don't believe that, Brother Palmer. Oh, you don't? Okay. We had a politician just stand up the other day and say, I will never know what causes people to walk into theaters and shoot the whole place up. Really? You'll never know. Because it was written about 2,000 years ago. We understand why this happens. Because you want to know something? The minute that we as a society begin acknowledging publicly the existence of devils and demons, people don't want to go there because you can't medicate a demon. You can't medicate a devil. And guess what that does? It takes it out of our control as a society. And it puts us and makes us dependent away from medical sciences. And here's the reason. When we don't realize it, when we see, you ever see people that just have just a tendency to make bad decisions? Do you know people that make, now I'm not talking about when you make a bad decision because of your flesh or because you were tempted to make a bad decision. I'm not talking about making two or three bad decisions in your youth. I am talking about you are always making bad decisions all the time. Every decision that comes your way, you make the wrong choice. Do you know why? A lot of times the reason is because you are hearing from the spirit 
And it is not God that you're hearing from. It is a deceptive spirit that is telling you the wrong thing. It is a deceptive spirit that is lying to you. It is a deceitful spirit. It is a spirit that is coming to you and whispering things to you and lying things. And you have no idea that that spirit is doing that. Similarly, there is the Holy Spirit who is God. And he can speak into your ear the right things in the wisdom of God. And so what you don't know and what people sometimes don't get is that even though we're Christians and we're believers, we're always hearing from the good side or the bad side. Hollywood has it right in almost a sense is that there are times where they illustrate like an angel and a devil on your shoulders. It's not necessarily there's an angel and a devil on your shoulders, but you have devils and demons and you have the Holy Ghost that is trying to bear witness and get you to walk in the way that they want you to go. Are you listening to me today? Brother Hagin said one time that if, the, if, the, if, if Christians in the church doesn't talk about spiritual realities, then say, or that the Hollywood will tell us about them. You ever notice that the church, what is it about churches today that they don't want to talk about the Holy Ghost? They don't want to talk about healing. They don't want to talk about spiritual realities. They don't want to talk about the supernatural, but they'll pay $10 and go to the show to see it. We don't talk about that stuff here. We don't want to scare people away. But when you get movies like Paranormal Activity coming out, people run by the masses to see them and will pay top dollar. Why is that? Because we are spiritual beings and every person that is brought into the earth has an interest in spiritual things. Well, what about atheists? That is an extreme interest in spiritual things to the point where they are now trying to deceive themselves because they are tired of it and they sell themselves a lie and no atheist really believes that stuff. Well, I believe it. You have to deny yourself to be an atheist. What do you mean? You have to deny your own spirit. You have to lie to yourself. You have to first sear your conscience completely and start selling yourself a lie. Now watch. So it says here that when we're in the spirit, what does it mean being in the spirit? Being in the spirit means that we're sensitive to the spirit. We're sensitive to the spirit of God's leading. This is one way that you can get in the spirit. When you're not grieving, you're not quenching the Holy Ghost, and you start praying and talking unto God in your prayer language, you all of a sudden shoot yourself in the spirit. You become sensitive to the spiritual things and realities that are around you. Are you listening to me here today? And it says the reason why is you speak out mysteries. Now. I had a year of Greek in college. I'm not a Greek expert, nor do I pretend to be. I'm not Brother Renner. Amen? But I know a little bit about Greek, and I know that the Greek word for mysteries right here is a Greek word, mysterion. Mysterion. I'm not going to try and divide Greek words. But the accurate definition of mysterion are those things or those tidbits of information, if you will, that are given to those who have been initiated. Go with me to Mark chapter 4. I'll show you. Mark chapter 4. Mark and chapter 4. Now watch, we're talking about praying in the Spirit and why it identifies you, charges you up like a battery. Why it builds you up on your most holy faith as you pray in the Holy Ghost. Unto you it is given to know the mystery of the kingdom of God. We were young, Mark 4 verse 11. When I was <clears throat> on staff at this church, uh, for actually just even longer than that, we'd always say, let's get together and talk mysteries. Amen. 
I say to my friends, let's get together and have a meeting of the minds and talk mysteries. You know how I realize? That's stupid saying that. You can't talk what you don't know. Let's talk mysteries, praise God. Let's sit around and talk mysteries. How can you talk about something that you don't even know what you're talking about? That's like saying, let's talk about, that's like saying, let's get around and talk about trigonometry when I don't know the single thing about trigonometry. Let's talk mysteries. It just sounded deep. That's why I would say it. Unto you it is given to know the mystery of the kingdom. The word mystery right here in Ephesians chapter 4 is the word mysterion. Now let me tell you something about Jesus Christ, our Lord and our Savior. Jesus, we'd say like this in youth, he was bad. Yeah. No, he was the greatest teacher that ever walked the face of the earth. Aside from the miracles, and let's even aside from the fact that he was the son of God. Jesus was so wise and so smart. You know, some people have a perception of how you perceive Jesus is going to be how you carry your life as a Christian. And so what I realize that the enemy tries to do a lot of times, he tries to skew people's perception of the Messiah. Because that's how you're going to start carrying yourself. You know, they say that perception is more important than reality. And it really is because your perception is your reality. So your perception makes a great deal. There are people that believe that Jesus was a surfer dude wearing a peace shirt, walking around in strung sandals and khaki pants. Peace. I was sitting next to someone on an airplane that says, Jesus was tolerant. I said, he was, huh? She said, yeah. I said, what is tolerant about? I am the way. I am the truth. And I am the light. And nobody comes to the Father except through me. Nobody. Not even you if you're a Hindu. How about that? He said that. I said, yeah. I said, what's tolerant about that? You're trying to tell, you're trying to tell me something about Jesus? You don't even study him. And I have a Bible? And you're trying to tell me something. That's cocky and arrogant. No, I know more than you about this, okay? You shouldn't be like that as a Christian. I'm not a hippie Christian, okay? And I said, the gospel is not about tolerance. It is about transformation. Jesus did not call and tolerate people. Oh, you're a homosexual? Not you, but I'm saying. (laughs) Well, it was nice seeing you. I won't be back. (laughs) Oh, you're a homosexual? Well, praise God. You were born that way. Yeah, yeah. You know, there's a couple of women over there. Why don't you all go parade when I leave Samaritan? Okay, all right, good. Oh, you can't get over that anger. Well, you know, that's okay. We love you anyway. Oh, you hate your priest. That's okay. He's an idiot. I know, I know. (laughs) That wasn't Jesus. Oh, you're sick. Yeah, I know. It hurts. It hurts. I know. You poor, poor thing. You poor. Let me sit in the dirt and cry with you a while while you're sick. You know, God is going to get glory out of this. And you know, he's bringing your death in a couple of days because there are some people in Judea that have never heard your name. And you know what? We're just going to just, just, okay, yeah. You're going to, a lot of people are going to come to know me because of this sickness. So, okay. I'm not going to heal you. Does that sound like Jesus to you? Does that sound like Christians to you? Some of them? Yeah, it does. I don't know where we get it, right? Jesus was the best teacher around. When 
the legalizers of Jesus' day began to look at Jesus and tell Jesus, you are teaching satanic things. You know what Jesus did? He says, you blasphemy in the Holy Ghost because I have the Spirit of God working inside of me. And he is the one that has taught me these things. And you're telling me I'm from Satan. You are committing an unpardonable sin. And you know what I'm going to do? So you know why the unpardonable sin is blasphemy in the Holy Ghost? It's because in order to get into the kingdom of God, you need one thing. You need a revelation knowledge. What do you mean you need revelation knowledge? You could take Jesus and put him in front of two people, person A and person B. And if they see Jesus as the Lord and the Savior, that revelation is going to be the rock that they're now going to become a part of for God to build their church. Jesus is, is the rock, but he is not the rock unless he's revealed as the rock. And who reveals him as a rock? The Holy Ghost reveals him as a rock. And so if you deny the revelator of the Holy Ghost, guess what you have done? You have taken away God's ability to reveal Jesus Christ to you as your Lord and Savior. And if you don't have the Spirit of God bringing you into that truth, you will be locked out and shut away for the rest of eternity. So when the scribes and the Pharisees came to Jesus and says, you're teaching things of the devil. Jesus says, you're grieving the Holy Ghost, and that's going to be the unpardonable sin. And you know what I'm going to do as a judgment to you? I'm going to start teaching truths and hiding them from you. And here's when I hide them from you. I'm going to take my truths, and I'm going to put them in a parable. A parable is another way of saying a knot. Jesus, are you listening to me? I watch. I'm going somewhere. Jesus took his teachings, and he would teach a teaching about righteousness, a teaching about reborn spirit. And he would take the teaching, and he would tie it all up in a knot. And he would say, ready? I'm going to teach on righteousness and the new birth experience. And I'm going to do it in. And I'm going to teach on the kingdom. And I'm going to teach on the kingdom. But I'm not going to come out right and say it. I'm going to use common parables that are so simple. They're going to be complicated to the untrained mind. And I'm going to give it to the masses of people. You know what Jesus was doing? Throwing knots out. These are his parables. Throwing knots out. Throwing knots out. You know why he did it? Because he says... I am sending you a greater one, a comforter who will lead and guide you into all the truth. And so guess what he did? He sent the Holy Ghost to people, and they remembered. I will bring all things to your remembrance, even that which I said. And when the Holy Ghost came, he brought to remembrance the teachings of Jesus. And guess what they had? They had the knot untire, praise the Lord. And the Holy Ghost would come along, and he would say, you remember what Jesus taught on the parable? Yeah, I remember that. Watch this. There it is. And that's what happened when Peter got the Holy Ghost and he stood up in the book of Acts on the day of Pentecost after he spoke in tongues and he started untying knots and preaching them to the people with power and authority. You know, imagine how Peter just stood up there one day and just started preaching all this stuff to people. And you're thinking, where was that about five days ago? Amen. And all of a sudden he gets up there. Why? Because he got filled with the power of the Holy Ghost with the evidence of speaking in tongues. And now he was walking in power and he understood the things Jesus was teaching. Why? Because the Holy Ghost came along and says, Peter, I know you were passed up as a rabbinical teacher, but I am your teacher. And I'm going to teach you the great truths of the kingdom to the point that you will know teacher in all of Israel can compare what you're teaching because you are teaching something that's greater than the prophets. You're teaching the mysterious Jesus to people. And Peter started preaching the great mysteries of Jesus. Why? He had the Holy Ghost revealing those truths to him. You get that? Everybody's just like... Yeah? Yeah, we got it. They're having, a, they're having two for one appetizers over at Applebee's today. Hurry up. <laughs> now watch this. 
when you pray in the Spirit, it says, you are praying out mysteries. Mysterion. Mysteries. Mysterion. Mysteries. Mysterion. So what am I doing when I pray in the Spirit? Ronde diverse kinds of tongues. There are different operations of praying in the Spirit. There's the public use of tongues. There's the private use of tongues. There's tongues as a sign to unbelievers. Actually, when you're speaking in their language, you someone comes in like Brother Hagin talks about in Hebrew, they speak Hebrew, and you speak in Hebrew. It requires no interpretation. You're speaking directly to that person sitting in the seat that knows you don't speak an ounce of Hebrew. doesn't happen very often at all, but it happens. Or you have your private prayer language. Someone says, you know, someone got mad at me. One time, one time a person walked out the service when I said, this is all praying tongues. We all start, this is forbidden to speak in tongues in a public assembly. I said, no, it's not. They said, yes, it is. I said, is it forbidden to worship God? No. I said, well, we're worshiping God in our own tongues. What does me up here praying in the Holy Ghost and having everybody else praying in the Holy Ghost talking to God have to do with you? They said, what do you mean? I says, when I am up here worshiping and everybody is worshiping together on the same one accord, we're all worshiping in that. We're all worshiping. We're talking to God. What if, what's the difference if we do it in English or we do it in tongues? We're all in our own world talking to God. They said, well, it says forbid not to speak in, 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 and we shouldn't do it in tongues unless we have an interpretation. If I come to you and try to give you a message in tongues and I stand up here, like I said the other day, and try and go, that requires an interpretation. Otherwise, you're going to say this preacher is crazy. What is he talking about? Same thing. There's no, it's no difference if I got up here in Spanish and I said, it's darky. Yo tango mucho tiempo las parabolas predicar ahora. Right? You said, what did he just say? Mucho, yo soy Chris. Donde esta el baño? Right? People say, yeah, praise God about that. Amen. They say, give him an interpreter, please, so we can understand what he's trying to say. Same thing in tongues. Now, so we're praying in tongues. So when we're all here, I say, praying in the Holy Ghost. What are we doing? We're praising and magnifying and worshiping God. So you are using your private prayer language to pray in tongues. Now watch this. When you go and you start praying in the Holy Ghost, what are you doing? You are praying out mysteries. And so anytime you give yourself to praying in the Holy Ghost, five minutes, ten minutes, ten hours, I don't know, whatever you have time for, whatever you make time for. Then you start praying in the Holy Ghost. You're praying out mysteries. Robo shinde raso kara de Romo bo siki rite shende ramo mo shende yinda rite yirarasa. Are you getting it? Mysteries are going up. Mysteries are going up. Mysteries are going up. Mysteries are going up. Mysteries are going up before God. You are praying out everything that pertains to life and godliness. Things that pertain to life are your blueprint. Should I go to Guatemala? Should I do this? Should I do X, Y, and Z? Those are things that pertain to your life. Look up here. You are praying out things that pertain to godliness. What godliness? My character? No. Great is the mystery of godliness. God was manifest in the flesh, justified in the spirit, seen of angels, preached on in the world, believed on by the Gentiles. That is the fundamental doctrines of Jesus Christ. Everything that is inside the word of God. You are either praying out things that pertain to your life in a mystery form. You are praying out things that pertain to your walk as a believer in a mystery form. And they are going up to God in a mystery form. Now watch this. The Bible says, what man knoweth the things of a man, save the spirit of man that is inside of him. What did that mean? That means this. There's a whole world going on inside of me right now. A whole world. 
What do you mean? Well, you know, I have my favorite sports teams. I have things to do when I get home. Unless I was able to, are we okay with the sound? Which one do we need to get? One, two, Ariana, can you hear me? You guys got it? Is that good? They got tired of me walking all around, pacing the floor. They said, we're tired of you wearing out our carpet, Brother Palmer. We're using your love offering. Oh, guess not. <laughs> Amen. You praying out everything that pertains to life and godliness. What are you talking about? Well, if you need healing in your body, you're praying out the mystery of your healing. See, there are reasons why people are not getting healed. There are reasons why healing is blocked. Healing is like a Rubik's Cube sometimes. It requires you to crack it. Why am I not being healed? There's tons of blockades to it. Are you telling me I don't have enough faith to be healed? If you believe God, Jesus says all things are possible to him that believeth. So you start praying in the Holy Ghost. Now watch this. Why am I edified when I pray in the Holy Ghost? Because there is a whole world going on inside of God right now. Inside that world, it is the way God thinks towards you concerning your healing. God looks at you like he wants you to be healed. God looks at you, he wants you to be blessed. God looks at you, he has promises for you. But let me tell you something. We know theology a lot of times, but we don't know the thoughts of God. We know history and archaeology, but man has missed the mind of God. And the only way we can find out what's going on inside of me is if I stand before you and tell you on Monday when I get home, I got X, Y, and Z to do. Next weekend, I'm going to be in Virginia. The next weekend, I'll be in, and I start telling you all about my life. Now, watch this. You don't know what's going on inside of God unless the Spirit of God begins to tell you what's going on inside of God. And guess what starts happening when you pray in the Holy Ghost? The Holy Ghost has been with God. He knows God. He is God. And he goes up, and he's been with God, and he comes down to you, and he says, I got news for you. There's a whole world going inside of God right now. X, Y. Y and Z, A, B, and C, and this is what God has for your healing, but I need you to get in agreement with it, and so your mind doesn't mess it up, I'm going to start feeding you the prayer language so you don't jack it up, and he starts feeding you the utterance, and your spirit says, give it to me, come on, I'm a catcher, give it to me, I'm not going to break my hamstring, just give it to me, and you start catching those things that come from God, you start receiving those things, and your mouth starts praying those things up before God in a mystery form. What do you say? Don't know, but we'll find out one day. How are you going to find out when I see it manifest? My God. Guess what? You've crossed over into the realm of the Spirit. You're skipping along in the realm of the Spirit. Everybody's worried about the economy. And You come walking into church and pastor starts singing. You start dancing and shouting, praise the Lord. You never went to Bible school. Thank God. He's telling me everything that's been with God. He's been with God from the eternal ages and dispensations and things past. Christians don't know. Okay, now watch this. So does that edify me? No. Doesn't. Gets you excited. But where does the edification really come from? You ready for this? This is the bomb about to drop on you. I talked to my friend on the phone. This is really funny. It's my friend Marlon. He said, "So how to go on? How to go in Cleveland?" He was preaching in Cleveland. He said, "Doc, 
I preach them jokers under the table. <laughs> Only he could say something like that. I was like, wow, because when I preach, I'm like, I wonder how it went. I preach them jokers under the table, Doc. Oh, yeah, the power was falling. <laughs> and, uh, but ready for this. This is the best part. Now watch this. If I came to you <laughs> and said this, we have Brother Chris Palmer here. He's from Detroit with his guitar, and he wants to talk to you today. And I got up here and I says, Randoste na bomba na sedusha. Embrosa And I just got off the stage. I spoke in tongues. I said something. Were you edified? Why? I don't understand it. How could you be edified if an interpreter came along and gave you, what does the interpreter give you? Understanding. So is there any edification without understanding? No. But why do I pray in tongues? I'm edified. You ready for this? Because watch this. The mysterion is not what edifies you. You don't get edified from mysterion. But there is a promise from God that when you pray out everything in you, Christ Jesus, the hope of glory, and you keep on keeping on with your meditation, and you keep on keeping on hearing the prophet, the apostle, the pastor, and the teacher, you keep on going to church, you keep on spending time in the Word, guess what happens? There is a shift that takes place, and those mysterion go up, and guess what will begin to happen? They get up there to God, and God says, oh, you're praying up the mystery of everything to you through you, and the hope of glory. He says, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to take the arrow when it gets to me. I'm going to turn it back around, and I'm going to send it back down your way, and the mysterion, when it reaches me, the spirit of truth is going to come, and he's going to turn the mysterion into revelation, and he's going to cause that revelation revelation to explode on the inside of your heart and it's that revelation that brings the edification the exhortation and the comfort did you catch that so all of a sudden you're reading the word one day you've been praying in the holy ghost and pop oh my god i see it i see it what do you see come here come here take this out i'm getting some right there what do you see i see that he bore my sickness yeah you've been seeing it no i see it this time i see it i see it and then guess what happens the image the phaneros pops up inside of your spirit now you have a phaneros you have a flash this is not just your imagination trying to conjure up something this is the holy ghost motion picture going on inside of your spirit seeing jesus take upon himself the sins of the world and all of a sudden you're like oh my gosh and guess what begins to happen you have now entered into the super natural dimension of faith you prayed in the spirit you prayed it out in mystery form it came back to you in a revelation form you are now in faith and you are now walking in the spirit and guess what you will not be quenching the spirit and you will not be grieving the spirit because you have a picture of what the spirit wants and because you have that picture you have been convinced quiet in this Baptist church. <laughs> Did you catch that? That's one way you can start walking in the spirit, living a life in a dimension of extraordinary faith. And guess what starts happening? This is my last point. I'm going to close. Guess what starts happening? If I could have the keyboardist come up here and play for me, bless God. The keyboard tree. Amen.
We need some keyboard tree here today. Because you've been praying in the spirit. And I started realizing the reason why it would take a couple of days for me to get the edification is because the process had not yet been complete. The Lord showed me that. I heard some great teachers preach on it, but I didn't know it like that. So God started showing me. I want to start praying in tongues. Now, praying in tongues, you can get... Some people start to think that's the only thing you're supposed to do. It's not. There's so much more in the Bible other than just praying in tongues. But here's another thing. When you start giving God, not grieving the Spirit, and you start not quenching the Spirit, you start praying in the Holy Ghost, then guess what it's going to produce inside of your life? A reverence and an awe towards the things of God. A reverence and an awe towards God. You know what happens, I notice sometimes when the Spirit of God is moving, I think to myself, how is it that people can come into a service when the Spirit of God is moving and not be moved? They just are texting away, they're yawning, looking at their watches, wondering what they got to do tomorrow. You know what I started realizing? It's because they're not in the Spirit. They're not in the Spirit. And you know why they're not in the Spirit? Why they're out of the Spirit? There is no fear towards God. And when you are walking in faith, it starts producing a fear towards God. And it is that fear that you begin to develop towards God that causes you to respond to him. You know what some people would always say in Bible school that were trying to be not be religious? They had been hurt by the pangs of religion. They had been hurt by religious leaders that have tried to throw and cram the law down their throats and trying to get them to do things and had them trying to dress their outer man and what they're supposed to dress their inner man with. And they got bitter. You know what they'd come into service and do? They'd go like this. And someone would say, why aren't you worshiping? This is all I need to do. God knows my heart. He knows my heart. Never did they ever cry? Never do they ever lay on their face before God. They never get on their knees before God. You never see a tear from their eyes. Well, we don't cry in this church. Well, they never see them rejoicing either. Never see them dancing. Never. Then you have people that do it all the time. You know what I'm saying? And it's like, hey, uh, whatever. But you get what I mean. Never does the spirit stir their heart. You should. Well, we're not emotional. You listen. You can't dehumanize yourself. When the Holy Ghost gets the moving, you're going to have some emotions in it. Trust me. Joy, peace, that's not an emotion. It touches your emotions. Yes, it does. And all of a sudden, no one's ever dancing. No one's ever shouting. No one's ever jumping. No one's ever praising. No one's ever crying. Nobody's ever doing nothing. You know what this tells me? People are not responding towards his presence. It says in First Timothy that we are to lift up holy hands before God. Well, I don't need to lift my hand. That's religious. It's a command. Why? Because it is a response to the presence of God. If Jesus Christ walked in here before you right now, I'd be like, hey, man, where you been? You know, there's people that disrespect. They become, they come too casual into the presence of God. If, if right now we got a call that President Obama was coming, I'm going to tell you what we wouldn't do. We wouldn't keep having church. How about that? We'd start having everybody start scrubbing the floor. We'd get this place looking as best as we possibly can get it. Why? Because the president is coming. And we respect that office. He is the president. Whether you're a Democrat or a Republican, he's the president. Yeah, we respect the president. What if Jesus started coming in here? How would you respond? If President Obama walked in here right now, would you just be like, hey, no, you wouldn't. You would be, yes, sir. And if you weren't impressed by him, you'd be impressed by all his secret service that come walking in the door. And his motorcade that you see down the street pulling in. 
when God comes, there should be a response in our heart towards Him. And the Word of God says that we lift up our holy hands before God. You are here, God. Well, that's religious. No, it's my heart saying, God, you are here right now. Some people start crying. They're being touched by God. Sometimes when the power is moving in a service and God is touching people, I will skip over people that not that are not responding towards God because they don't want Him bad enough. There's no desperation. We, there's, a, there's a side of us we got to be wanting God. We got to be hungry for God. We got to really want Him. Well, we have, we got this. We don't need to hunger for God. Yes, you do. You need to have a heart that is always desiring more of His presence. Where does that come from? That comes from every day waking up and being filled with the Holy Ghost. Holy Ghost, lead me. Holy Ghost, teach me. Holy Ghost, speak to me. He's my best friend. He's the Holy Ghost. And how can you get that? You wake up in the morning and you say, Holy Ghost, touch me. And then you start being led by the Spirit. You're speaking in tongues. And then you start responding to the Spirit. And when you respond correctly to the Holy Ghost, you don't grieve Him. And when you obey the Holy Ghost, you don't quench Him. And it's all being produced in your life. Why? Because you're praying in tongues, launching a sensitive walk towards God. And then when the presence of God wants to manifest, you are responding to His presence. And breakthrough starts happening. When everybody starts responding to the presence of God, then the corporate anointing can start coming in and moving amongst the people. And in that corporate anointing, guess what starts to come up? Songs start arising inside of people's hearts. Hymns start flowing out of people. Spiritual songs start coming. And guess what that starts producing? Breakthrough. Why? Because we have learned, learned to flow with the Holy Ghost. You follow me? Stand to your feet this morning. Let's just pray in the spirit right now. We're free in the spirit. If it puts you in bondage, it's religion. If it sets you free, it is the spirit of God. It is the spirit of God. If it has you tied up, if it has you in chains, is a stronghold of religion. You should respond not the way you will to respond. You should respond to God the way that the Holy Ghost unctions you to respond, like it or not. If you feel like dancing, you ought to dance. If you feel like running, you ought to run. If you feel like dropping to your knees, you drop to your knees. If you feel like crying, well, that doesn't make a lick of difference. It is if it's what the Holy Ghost has you do. We want to be responders to His presence. Let's lift our hands and worship God right now and pray in the Spirit. We worship you, Jesus. We worship you, Jesus. Jesus, we worship you. For I am your healer, says the Lord. I am your healer. I am the one who has provided for thee healing in all your ways. Just praise Him right now. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. I am your provider. I will provide when the world ceases to produce. I will provide and I will supply when all things seem to be reduced. For I am the Lord who is on your side. I am the Lord who desires to supply. I supply joy where there is no joy. Peace where there is no peace. And rest where there is no rest. Thank you, Jesus. If you've been having trouble sleeping, come to the front. Come to the front. Come to the front. Sleeping issues. 
I want to pray for you this morning. Trouble sleeping. Tossing and turning. Can't get a full eight hours of sleep. Yes. I want you to lift your hands towards God. Lift your hands towards God. In a sign of surrender to Him. Thank you, Jesus. We worship you. Thank you, Jesus. Well, I lay hands on you. Whatever's causing that problem of sleep deprivation is going to break off your life. Come on, worship God. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, we thank you, Jesus. We thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. There is no greater thing than to be filled with the Holy Ghost. There is no greater thing than to be filled with the Holy Ghost. There is no greater thing than to be filled with the Holy Ghost. God is touching people. God is touching people. Oh, shkadeste, touching people. Look at all over this room. God is touching hungry hearts. People that are tapped into Him. People that are tapped into Him. People that are tapped into Him. God is touching hungry hearts. God just called you His instrument. You are my instrument, says the Lord undefiled, pure before me. You are my instrument, and I have set thee free, and you shall declare it and tell about it all your days. Go forth and be free from all the regret that has hindered your path, and know, says the Lord, that you are now on the right track. Thank you, Jesus. Feel him, Lord. Feel him. May he have an encounter with your spirit. He's hungry, God. Feel him, Jesus. Feel him with more of you. Feel him are hungry before God. Oh, we thank you, Jesus. 
We thank you. Someone say, Holy Ghost, take more of me. I surrender to walk in the Spirit, to walk by your power, to walk with your presence, illuminating me, filling my path with light, flooding my understanding with knowledge so that my ear is tuned to hear and my spiritual eyes are focused to see that I may not be blind but keen aware alert and efficient in my walk with your power I declare that I will walk with your presence not just with principles Though principles are good, but with your presence all around my life. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you. How many received this morning something from the Lord? Amen. How many want to go pray in the Holy Ghost right now? How many are making a decision that they're not going to grieve the Spirit with something that we shouldn't be doing? How many know when the Holy Ghost talks, you're going to obey? You're not going to quench them. That means if he tells you to lift... You know, and the thing is, he doesn't have to tell you to lift your hands. These are not things that God tells you to do. They're things that your own spirit tells you to do. Well, my spirit's not telling me to lift your hand, my hands. How about that? Well, the Word of God tells you to do it. Respond. You know, one time, I was in a service in Miami, and the pastor was praying for people, and the power was flowing, and I wasn't being touched. And I almost started having a pity party for myself. And I said, well, it's good and great for all these people. I guess I'm just above all this. And the Spirit of God said to me, press in. I said, okay, Lord. And I started pressing in. I'm not looking for an emotional experience. And I'm pressing in. And all of a sudden, I started weeping. I started crying. And all of a sudden, it wasn't long before I found myself on the floor having such a trembling encounter with the presence of God I couldn't describe what it was like it was I've never I've, to this day never had any experience like it in my life in the presence of God it's like Jesus himself was standing there looking at me with the nations in his eyes and then I walk up I got, I got up and I was different in inside I was changed on the inside and I you know that it's good and great to have the experience but you should walk away with something I came back to Michigan after that conference and it wasn't the word was good but it was the encounter with his presence that made all the difference. And I came back. When I got to Michigan, my ministry has not been the same since. Faith is something that is, listen, faith is not always taught, though it can be taught. Faith is imparted. How does it impart it? You got to want it. How do I want it? You got to seek it. How do I see? You just got to do it, all right? Stop asking how and do. You know, a lot of this walk that we have as Christians is trial and error sometimes. But that's why we have good teachers like your pastor, so we can show you how to have less trial and less error. Amen? Is it 7 o'clock tonight, Pastor Connie? 7 o'clock tonight. Be here or be here. Amen? Pastor, come on up.